0: Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com.
3: Welcome to the sixth ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at Well, as always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will begin each show with the past week's highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that fascinate us all. And today, in keeping with the bizarre weather up here in Boston, where we've had rain for seven straight days, but fortunately that's come with six straight victories for the Red Sox, I'm going to start with my uh, bizarre sports story of the week, which is the Jorge Posadas Posadas playing out down in New York. Uh, I was watching last Sunday night's Red Sox-Yankees game when uh, Yankees GM Brian Cashman held his bizarre mid-game press conference, first time I've ever seen that, to discuss why Posada was not playing, which we now know was because Posada was having a hissy fit over being dropped to ninth in the batting order. This was just a classic case of uh, making something out of nothing, um and you know the drama drama kings and queens down in new york uh truly just uh creating a scene that just never had to happen uh you know both parties cashman and posada along with of course manager joe girardi acted just like a bunch of petulant children and completely mismanaging a situation that should have stayed in-house uh Again, the Yankees are the kings of drama, and why they let this uh, get to that point is just beyond me, especially, uh, as always seems to happen, uh, this stuff seems to always take place around Yankees-Red Sox games, and of course, in this case, it was Sunday night ESPN National TV, and, you know, it could have just been so easily avoided by simply saying, you know, Posada had a back issue, which he did not have, but... Uh, They could have said that and it would have never turned into what it became. Now, I was also particularly surprised by Posada because, you know, I've always considered him a consummate pro, you know, one of the core Yankees from their championship years as recently as two years ago, but certainly more so back in the late 90s with uh, Jeter and Rivera, of course, and Bernie Williams. And, but when I think of Posada, i always remember him knocking in the uh, tying runs in the eighth inning of the infamous Grady Gate-Pedro meltdown in the seventh game of the 2003 ALCS. And, uh, you know, I've always thought very highly of him. I always thought, just again, you know, class act and, you know, a Yankee to the core. So I was truly surprised by his unwillingness to play in the game over... Uh, apparently over being dropped to ninth in the batting order. But to see him in the Yankees in this melodrama, you know, only makes me think, uh, my, how the mighty have fallen. And uh, and now I want to touch on this week's low light, which was the sudden spate of deaths in the sports world with the uh, too-young-to-die passings of former Michigan and NBA player, Robert Tractor-Trailer. New York Rangers hockey enforcer Derek Bugard, former Dallas Cowboy Ron Springs, Kenyan Marathoner Sammy Winegeroo, and then just yesterday, University of Oklahoma linebacker Austin Box, and all these came on the heels of two deaths last week. Uh, one I reported on was that of Kentucky Derby second place jockey Michael Bays. And there was also a 26-year-old Belgian cyclist who died of a crash, uh, died in a crash during a race in Italy. So a tough couple of weeks in sports by any standard, and let's hope there are not too many more like these. But now it's time to move on to a more positive note, and the highlight of the week for me, which was attending the Mass Mentoring Partnership annual breakfast at Fenway Park on Tuesday, where Boston Celtics legend Bill Russell was honored with a lifetime achievement award. They don't come any bigger than Bill Russell, truly the greatest champion in the history of American sports with eleven championships, and truly an American icon who will finally get a statue of him built right here in Boston. So trust me when I tell you that when Bill Russell speaks, people listen, and here's what he had to say to a riveted audience when accepting his award on Tuesday morning at Fenway Park.
0: All my life I've been killed. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, Lord. in my high school, around the state, was a poem by James Russell Lowell, and the poem said, it is not what we give, but what we share, for the gift without the giver is bare. Now, um, uh, when I was a uh, rookie with the Celtics, the average salary in the NBA was $5,000 a year. And that, now, that's not even tip money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh I was, uh, I came on a time when there was not a, a great deal of money in my profession. But I could share my good fortune with my fellow citizens. <coughs> and uh, I, I I'll tell you some things that may not be known, but uh, when I was born, my mother, they used to be My name Felton came from one of the Negro Colleges in Louisiana. The president was a guy named Felton Clark. And my mother named Felton to make sure that all of my youth, the goal was to go to college. And I'm trying to share that with the next generation of Americans. So that some of the kids don't have families that think in that way. But uh, the love between a parent and child is a love that goes towards separation. Uh, The duty of the parents is to prepare the children for a life without them. I think you go into the world and be safe. Uh, I'm very uh, flattered by all this attention. But uh, that's something you should know. Uh, As you get older, certain things in your body break down. And my current affliction is, I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would have been embarrassed by the things that Tom O'Neill said and all the nice folks have said, but I didn't hear a word <laughs> <to say. laughs> <laughs> So they saved me a lot of embarrassment. But, uh, I want to really thank the Red Sox themselves. I asked the Red Sox years ago to be involved in Metro. And uh, the way I can express it is that they've almost hijacked our Metro program. And I can't thank them enough, because uh, to make it possible to help the next generation and to be involved in that is is uh, one of the great experiences of my life. And uh, one of the great things that the Red Sox did for me, uh, my late wife, Uh, along with my mother with the most important two fields of my life. And uh, the results contributed to the Norman Russell Scholarship. And I cannot think of a higher honor for being a person. And to have a scholarship my late And uh, I'm, uh, I'm overwhelmed by this. I had no idea it was going to work out like this. And uh, David, uh, thank you. And uh, again, I'm, I would be really, really embarrassed if I heard anything. <laughs> Thank you, one and all. And uh, as I said earlier, I was speaking at a school in Texas. And uh, it was a, a long time ago. The Vietnam War was winding down. And uh, I spoke in this school and I said that uh, all the money we spent in Vietnam now directed toward our education system because it's getting a little old and rough around the inches and a gentleman after I called after he said to me what well, are you talking about the call for basic taxes and I'm getting ready to retire why should I why should I be taxed to educate other people's kids. <laughs> and I said, there are two reasons. One, when you're six years old and your folks brought you up and sent you off to school, there was a school there for you to go to and your folks did not know. And the second reason is, there are no other people's kids in the United States of America. Those young folks, Next generation of Americans, and with the parent-child relationship, we should try to prepare them to run things, uh, and we're going to hope that they won't run well. And I, I'm, like I said, I'm very flattered to be in my here this morning, and I want to thank you all for coming and participating. Uh, relationship, relationship,
3: relationship Well, as you just heard, Bill Russell is a special human being, and in our next segment, we will hear from David Shapiro, President and CEO of Mass Mentoring Partnership, when he joins the show to provide additional perspective on the breakfast and his organization. And now, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the Huddle likes to say. It's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice mark America Sports.
1: 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high energy all access sports show for you. channel The opening kickoff is a beauty. There's a fly ball deep break right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a got it. With 2.8 seconds Two left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out
2: of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby? Become a part of today's show by calling one 888 346 9144 That's one 888 346 9144 Or by sending an email to IIR at ComCast.net. Now, back to the show.
3: Welcome back, Voice America listeners, to segment two. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 8 346 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. We are joined now by David Shapiro, President and CEO of the Mass Mentoring Partnership. And welcome, David. And I attended your breakfast this week with Bill Russell as a, uh, per the clip I just played, and it was fabulous. And uh, given all the media coverage, you must be pleased as well. Really pleased. Uh, that you know
4: thank you so much for making the time to be there and and for having me on the show it uh when a guy like bill russell an iconic person like that uh gets behind your cause and obviously a dovetailing with uh the call for a statue for him and 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 just a reflection on his whole life as a social activist uh it it meant a lot and you're right we did get a lot of coverage and so much of that coverage did touch on his character and his devotion to youth mentoring. And so both those things were
3: incredibly important to us. Well, David, I can't imagine uh, much more of an important sports figure or an appropriate sports figure to be affiliated with your organization than, of course, Bill Russell. So why don't you take a few minutes and tell us all about your organization and the impressive work you do, of which I am... uh, intimately familiar, especially as it relates to Boston's sports teams?
4: Yeah, so um, overall, our job in life, and and we wake up every morning at Mass Mentoring trying to fuel the growth of youth mentoring opportunities for kids in Massachusetts, Uh, and we have a national organization as well that's called Mentor, Uh, and our job is to make sure that the quality of mentoring is being delivered in the right way for kids so that it delivers the kinds of results we know uh, quality mentoring can deliver. And then just to make sure there are more of those opportunities, which involves trying to generate both money and people to step up and become mentors. And so we work with about 175 mentoring organizations in the state. They serve 23,000 kids uh, and we're working every day with them and on their behalf uh, to get more investment of time, money, and best practices, you know, into the mentoring field so that kids are Finding those adults, consistent, structured adults in their lives that can really help them move the needle, whether they're eight or 18, whether they've been involved in the courts or they're thriving, you know, whatever their situation might be. We know at the end of the day, those relationships are are the difference maker. So uh, that's you know, that's what we focus on. Um, to touch on your the second part of your your question, John, you know, we've been. Incredibly fortunate in this city uh, of Boston with sports teams that play such a uh, a key civic role and capture the imagination and have performed at such a high level uh, to partner with those teams and uh, to leverage their brand and their place in the community to get out the word about the importance of mentoring and, and becoming a mentor. And really, each one of them in various different ways has has stepped up. And then obviously some individuals have as well, you know, Bill Russell obviously being the the key currently.
3: Yes. Well, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and in addition to Bill Russell, of course, speaking and accepting the award on Tuesday morning, you also had a live auction that was, uh, emceed by Terry Francona and your father, uh, ron shapiro and i'm gonna get into your father and family uh in a bit but i thought terry francona made a heck of an auctioneer what did you think he was terrific
4: yeah so i've had the privilege of watching him for seven years and i only say that because it speaks to tito he he uh when tito gets involved in something and he's involved in one other thing here in town and i'm sure a lot of other things but one other thing that i know about which is the robin ride for kids which is a a big bike ride that we're involved in that lots of youth charities raise money through. Um, Tito is not the kind of person that does things for lip service. You know, I mean, he is a a very substantial guy uh, who only does things if he's going to do them the right way. And so, you know, seven years ago in the old 406 club at Fenway Park, when we launched our first event with probably 150 people there, Peter Gavins was our keynote, which was amazing. Uh, Tito stepped up and uh, he was our auctioneer and you know I thought hey I was lucky to get him once and uh, that began seven years of playing that role and uh, now he's in our Red Sox mentoring challenge commercials which are our uh, our mentor recruitment campaign with the Red Sox he's our spokesman and uh, he just continues to do it every year he he also continues to, to get more comfortable and better every year with it. He no longer writes what I, uh, reads what I write for him anymore. But he's, he's fantastic, and it generates tons of support. And as you saw, he not only uh, auctioneered, but he actually bid himself. So he was generous uh, with more than just his time that morning, which was pretty incredible.
3: Yes, that was very impressive. And I'm a big fan of Tito's because I grew up in western Pennsylvania where he grew up, and... To say he was a legend is an understatement. Uh, as a baseball player, I believe his senior year at up in Beaver County, he hit something that sounds like seven hundred plus, as in batting average. And unbelievable. oh, it was, it was unbelievable. He was a legend, and he was an unbelievable player. Went to Arizona State, was legendary there, and then that's when his knees gave out on him, and uh, the rest is history. And it must have to do with uh, Beaver County, because as we all know, a famous uh, uh, another famous knee patient, Joe Namath, is from there as well. And uh, but anyway, you know, I, I referenced your father, Ron, and uh, you know, you come from a very impressive and well-known sports family, Ron, who was the actual auctioneer, and he did a hell of a job. I might add on Tuesday morning, along with Tito, um, he's one of the first ever super agents and also a very well-known author and then your brother mark is currently serving as president of the cleveland indians the biggest surprise in baseball this year and uh so i guess you have a love of sports growing up in that family i do
4: yeah i grew up really really fortunate uh around sports and uh, my father really got into the sports agent business by accident and i can remember when we had to share what our parents did for a living at school. He told me, uh, say I'm a sports lawyer. I don't like the word agent, which just kind of tells you the way that, you know, where he, he comes from and the way he approaches his work. He, uh, because it was a kind of law that he practiced, uh, he helped out Brooks Robinson uh, in the 70s uh, when some guys had basically taken advantage of Brooks, and, and he prosecuted those guys. And this was before Kurt Flood went to the Supreme Court and before, before there was, you know, a lot of money in, in players' salaries and free agency and all those things. And, you know, he helped Brooksy just as his personal representation. And then uh, that grew into sort of an accidental sports agent business uh, at a time also when the Orioles were, were just in their heyday. Uh, and I remember, you know, thinking that my dad worked for the Orioles, even though he was in sort of an adversarial position you know, he right. represented eighty five percent of the team uh when they won the eighty three World Series. Um and uh, you know, players didn't move around like they do now. So so yeah, it was it was awesome. We grew up with it, uh and my brother's now working in it too. And uh I've you know what I've benefited from as much as I've benefited in, in the nonprofit profit sector from their sports connections, I've benefited from the kind of people they are because People want to do things for those guys because they deliver for other people, my brother and my dad, and so it always asks making people, it always makes it easy for me to ask people in the sports world you know to come on board and help mass mentoring if they happen to know my dad or my brother because of their character and what they do for other people. so uh, I'm really lucky, really lucky in that way, and so is mass mentoring.
3: Well, they both are, you know, terrific. And uh, I'm a member of the Fenway Park Writers Series, and I heard your father speak a couple years ago after he had written one of his books. And he lamented the demise, if you will, of the Orioles as no longer uh, being what they once were and with Baltimore being such a great baseball town. And then, uh, you know, which is why it's kind of ironic to me that you know cleveland another great baseball town was seemed to be on a very on a downward trajectory on in baseball and yet here they are having a heck of a year your brother must be feeling pretty good it's been fun you know he he moved up from the gm to
4: the presidency so i keep telling him and chris antonetti the new gm that once they got a good gm they started winning ball games so you know now he's (laughs) focused on Trying to get people in the stands—that's his—that's the his, his newest challenge there in Cleveland. Uh, but that which they're starting to inspire with their play and, and with his and, and his team's creativity out there on the business side. But uh yeah, I mean it's been fun. You know, it's been very hard to remember that in 2007 they were a game away from the World Series and in the driver's seat against the Red Sox. Uh, because I live here, we saw all those games, and and uh, and I was with my brother for those games and. And, uh you know, windows for small market teams are going to be short, And but their window was supposed to be a little bit bigger than just that one season. And unfortunately, because of injury and because there's so little margin for error, their window closed pretty quickly. Uh, but what the Indians have done, you know, under Mark and, and Chris and the ownership there, is they've figured out how to mitigate not having, you know, down years for a really long time. You know, it can... It can they, that was that was their goal, you know. That was their goal to to not have it take a really long time to get back, you know. And uh, that's what they did. They made painful, painful decisions around, you know, trading two Cy Youngs and, you know, trading some big-time players. And I know that frustrated the fan base, but it was a way to get guys that were close quickly, like Brantley and Laporta. And now these guys in year two are, you know, starting to show what they're all about And Masterson. Um, and so hopefully it keeps up. I can tell you it's obviously been fun as heck for, for an Indian fan, <laughs> a guy who watches it a lot of nights uh, on his computer. So I, I've enjoyed it, and I know he is too, and now he just wants to keep getting the fans, keep winning the fans back, which is what they're trying to do as well.
3: Well, that's wonderful. And, again, you come from just a terrific family, and, and the work that you do uh, and the reason why we're talking, of course, is, you know, the Mass Mentoring Project, which you know I am become very familiar with over the past few years, and it's wonderful. So I just want to thank you again for taking the time to be on the show, for welcoming me to your event on Tuesday, and you know I wish you all the best of luck going forward. I know you'll continue with uh, with God's work, as I call it, and uh, and look forward to having you on in the future, David. And thank you again.
4: Well, thank you so, so, so much, John. I appreciate it. It's always a good opportunity to get the word out about mentoring. And if people are curious about our organization, you know, it's massmentors.org and they can jump online and check it out and just appreciate the, the venue and you giving, giving voice to it. So thanks so much.
3: My pleasure. And I look forward to talking again soon, David. Thank you again for coming on.
4: Sounds good, John. Take care.
2: flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The revolution
1: has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Clemming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail.
3: Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's still that time of the show when we have guests join us in All Around Sports. So I would like to welcome Dave Gorin, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association who will discuss uh, the organization's Hall of Fame Awards weekend just held in North Carolina and also welcome Barry Rubenstein our weekly call-in expert from the New York Post sports department. Welcome gentlemen and I thought it was time that you two get to know each other given the obvious fourth Estate connection.
5: I appreciate that John and uh, Barry good to meet you on on the phone.
6: You too, Dave and uh, John. That it's uh, equally uh, equally appreciated. Any opportunity to get together with uh, with uh, fellow members of uh, of the so called Fourth Estate
5: is always a good thing.
3: For sure, for sure, Barry and Dave. I know you just had your big weekend of the year, and we're all dying to hear all about it. So, how did it go? Uh, it was awesome. It actually uh,
5: exceeded my expectations uh, beyond my. I don't know if it was wildest dreams, but it, it, it definitely exceeded uh, expectations. We we increased our our numbers dramatically. We had about 240 people uh, last year at our banquet at the historic train depot here in downtown Salisbury. Salisbury, and as I know, we we talked earlier. Uh, you know, Arnold Palmer was at our banquet last year, and right. we only sold 12 tickets to the general public because that's all we could fit in there with all our winners and local hosts and guests. So we made the move to a college gymnasium at Catawba College here in Salisbury, and we had about almost 370 people, and my my biggest apprehension was I didn't want it to look like a college gym, and I, I walked in the room Monday night, and my jaw hit the floor. It looked like a first-class banquet facility. Uh, it actually took my breath away, which is rare, but uh, <laughs> I was pleased with the whole weekend, and... got to see some old friends and got to meet some new friends, and for me that's the best part of the weekend is is being with people either you've worked with or heard about or read about or meeting completely new people, and uh, just a lot of really nice people here for the weekend.
3: Well, I'm sure there were, and I know you always have some really big names from the world of sports, and can you tell me who some of the people in attendance were and or the award winners for this year? Sure. We actually started –
5: saturday we do our welcome reception and dinner and this year we did a women in sports media issues forum uh... leslie visser flew in uh... to do that along with uh, two of our state sportscasters of the year um, mary joe perino from uh, lexington kentucky and katie brown from portland oregon as well as jenny carlson from the daily oklahoma in oklahoma city who was gonna stay for the whole weekend and ended up having to fly back early sunday morning to go cover game seven of the grizzlies thunder series but that okay. was awesome. Le- Leslie Visser is a mess, uh, but she's she's awesome. It, I thought we were going to have a discussion of serious issues. It almost devolved into the Leslie Visser Comedy Hour. But uh, she she had the crowd in the in the palm of her hand. Uh, Sunday we did a little National Athletic Trainers Association sponsored brunch, and what they do is put two of their members in front of our members and winners to uh, to do a couple of sports medicine related seminars, which is you know worthwhile for both parties because it it allows our people to see where they can go to if they have questions or if they're doing working on stories about sports medicine related topics and it allows the NATA to get out in front of uh you know get some exposure in front of our people we had our big dinner dance on Sunday night and then Monday there's a golf tournament a tennis tournament we run a tour and then uh have our big uh, reception and banquet Monday night. Our uh, big winners, the two that weren't here, were Bob Eucher and Brent Musburger, who went into the Hall of Fame, along with a guy you know well, uh, Bob Ryan from the Boston Globe, who was right. here. of course. And then our national winners were Mike Tirico as sportscaster and Peter King as sports writer. And they were both here. And I can't say enough good things about uh, the ones who were here. Uh, just nice, nice guys. They were You know, as they do in their professional lives, they're great storytellers in their speeches, and uh, it just made for a great, a great night all around. A great weekend.
3: Well, that's terrific. Uh, What's interesting, you had mentioned Bob Eucher because I just saw the HBO Real Sports segment that they did on him, uh, and it was just terrific. Uh, Just this very week, it it debuted, and uh, fascinating individual. So I'm glad he received one of your awards, and. Pretty amazing that Mike Tirico could make it. I mean, he's like the busiest sportscaster in America, <laughs> covering the NBA. I'm surprised he could fit that in.
5: Yeah, I, I, I was very happy when I when I found out he had cleared his schedule. He came in uh, Sunday afternoon with 13 family members. Wow! And uh, as he told me, he spent longer at the at the rental car counter at the Charlotte Airport than he did f- flying from Detroit to Charlotte. So he missed our autograph session, which was unfortunate. But but to tell you what kind of guy he is. There was a story in the paper on Monday about uh, one boy from the area who was disappointed that Tariqa wasn't at the autograph session. So he and his wife said, if you could, please get me that kid's information and we'll send him something, and I did. And he emailed me back on uh, Tuesday that uh, something was on that way to that young man. So uh, as I said, I can't, I can't say enough good things about uh, about Mike. He was very generous with his time. Uh, you know, A lot of people wanted to interview him and talk to him, and he could could not have been more... Not only generous with his time, but genuine as well. Just a just a real nice guy.
3: Well, that's great. Well, Barry, I know you work, of course, at the New York Post, and one of your famous writers is all, is a member of NSSA, Phil Mushnick, and uh, I'm sure you have some questions or, for uh, for Dave as well about the organization.
6: Well, yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's. Uh... You know, I I've I've heard a lot about the organization. I know it has a very great uh, has a great reputation and you know, uh, how many uh how many people do you usually uh honor every year?
5: We do we do uh usually two or three Hall of Famers. In this case, uh this year the Hall of Fame vote for Sportscaster was so close we decided to put uh, both Euchre and Musburger in. Uh and then we do National Sportscaster, Sports Writer of the Year. And then we elect state sportscaster and sportswriter from each state where we have members, which is all the states plus the District of Columbia, with the exception of Alaska, where we're we're, we're trying to twist Sarah Palin's arms, since she's a former sportscaster, so we can at least get one member, and then maybe she can recruit another couple for us. But we had, uh, of our 110 state winners, because we do have ties in a few states, I believe we had the final count was we had 58 or 59, which was an improvement of uh, 10 or 12 more people than we had here last year. So that was that was also gratifying to see. And I should point out, uh, when I found out Bob Euchre wasn't coming, I just happened to look at the Brewer schedule and discovered they were in Atlanta the week before. And so what we did was arrange to go down there, and we presented him with this Hall of Fame plaque in the press box at Turner Field two weeks ago. And he could not have been more gracious. He said he was embarrassed that he was not coming, but you know, the guy has done Brewers games for 41 years now, every day, 162 plus games a year, and uh, he's in his comfort zone. Of course, he had the uh, two heart operations last year, and you know, he likes. So he's very comfortable being around uh, their athletic trainers all all day, every day. So I certainly told him I understood understood uh, that, but he said he will uh, he will make it here one day. The thing about Euchre that's always uh, been interesting to me is that, you know, there's a guy who kind of, you
6: know, took something he loved and kind of turned it into almost a little cottage industry. He'd be, you know, certainly, uh, I guess it all started back when he was doing, uh, was doing the games of the week on, uh, on TV as a, as a color analyst and, you know, obviously on beer commercials and movies and he kind of took his career kind of, kind of to a whole new level. So, uh, He's one of uh, one of a select few who was able to do that, and I, I, I've always thought that was, uh, you know, that was a really uh, really cool thing about his career.
5: Right, and I think he made a hundred appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which I think was probably his uh, his ticket to mass exposure. And let me point out, if you, if you don't believe we're living in a different media world today, the night we went down there to present him with his award, we had maybe a handful of photographers and writers who who covered, you know, gathered around and. And uh, Fox Sports Net Milwaukee shot video and, and later got it to us. But within a half hour of us making the presentation, I was sitting down in the press box, flipped open my laptop, and just for the heck of it, I did a last 24-hour Google search for Bob Euchre, and 21,300 hits popped up. I mean, we were... My picture was in the India Times within a half hour of that presentation, How? which which amazed me. That's the the day we're living in now.
6: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, I think John and I saw it uh, a couple weeks ago when uh, we attended uh, uh, Celtics practice. I mean, there were uh, it was the day that uh, you know Doc Rivers announced that uh, Shaq would be playing that night, and as he's saying it, you know, you could see you know uh, some of the reporters who were you know on on deadline or or for websites you know, at that moment. They're you know listening to doc with one with one hand on the tape recording. On the other hand they're on their smartphones on their Twitter account saying that hey uh doc Rivers expects Shaq to play tonight so you know it's it's a very different world we live in as far as you know the instantaneous uh uh media that we have, and it's forever changing it's forever getting more and more of a challenge and uh you know it's uh it it's it's hard to believe that uh you know uh, uh, one day. Uh, Not that long ago, or doesn 't seem that long ago to me, but I guess it is long ago. uh my first newspaper job we actually used typewriters and carbon paper i don 't even think kids even know what carbon paper is today but uh yeah i mean it, it, its it 's kind of cool just kind of seeing uh the whole evolution of, of of how we get our information and how our information is processed and how it goes out uh, it really is an instant world today it 's very different uh uh from from when I first started.
5: And it's funny because I mentioned very, something very similar. I started in the business as a 15-year-old high school junior in my hometown in Massachusetts, and we would type the story on a manual typewriter, fold up or kind of ball up, not ball up, kind of make a circle of the, the copy, put it in a pneumatic tube, and send it up to the press
3: room. Mm-hmm. Click mm-hmm. And wow. yep. All the yep. way up.
5: Yep. Yep. mm mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, and then that's back in the days when they actually had, had Hot Type. Yes. Yeah. Well, our, our younger audience is like, what the heck are these guys? <laughs>
5: well, it's funny. We have a couple uh, old typewriters here in the office, and when people, especially younger people, come in, I, I go over to it and I say, do you know what that is?
1: <laughs> Most well, count me in. But, you
3: know. <laughs> include me in this conversation because I also started my newspaper career in hot metal with the tubes, with the typewriter, all of it. So I mm-hmm. love listening to everything you both are saying. We're clearly from the same generation and still surviving here talking sports. And uh, Dave, you may need to uh, create a new category, Top Twitter Journalist of the Year for next year's events, huh?
5: In fact, uh, one of our winners would po- probably qualify or at least be in the top two or three, Peter King, who is a prolific What's? Twitterer. In addition to being prolific with his prose. if you ever looked at his... Monday morning quarterback column. I mean, it it, it stretches on for days. So I'm
3: I'm in awe of him. That's how I start my week every week on Monday morning, and it always makes me want to go get a cup of coffee every time I read it. And uh, but you know, Dave, I just want to thank you uh, for coming on the show, talking about your awards. Your your organization is terrific, and the work you've done since taking over uh, a year or two ago has been. Utterly remarkable, and I can say that as a as a member. And uh, you know, keep up the good work. And we've had you on a few times uh, on my former show, and glad to get you on my show now. And we look forward to having you on again uh, in the very near future. And Barry is going to stick around. And so, thank you again, Dave, for John, joining. Us today. John,
5: thank you, and Barry, great to talk to you. And uh, let's all stay in
3: touch. Okay, take care now. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We'll take our break now. And coming back, we'll have Barry Rubenstein joining us.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports.
0: We some hard hitters
2: Work. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake.
1: crazy. He...
2: NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up, speak up or forever hold your mouth.
1: We ain't playing around
2: here. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling one 888 346 9144 That's one 888 346 9144 Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now,
3: back to the show. Welcome back, Voice America, to our fourth and final segment. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And I'm still here with Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, let's ju- jump right into uh, my weekly picks of the weekend. Uh, and the reason is uh, that mine is a, is a my pick of the weekend is a personal one, in that uh, I will be heading into Fenway Park in a few hours to attend the. Red Sox Cubs game, the first visit by the Cubs to Fenway Park in 93 years.
6: Yeah, I saw that. That's uh, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that that anyone in the park tonight will not have seen the last time uh, these two teams met at Fenway. I think that's probably very safe. good point. That's safe. Yeah, that's safe. if you, you know, if you want to go want to you know if you want to make a side bet on that, I think I think, yeah, I think <laughs> you might have pretty good odds on that. But uh, yeah, I mean uh, that, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. How's the weather up there? Is it uh, weather permitting, or is it
3: actually a nice day up there? Well, believe it or not, we've had, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've had seven straight days of rain. And Mm -hmm. just within the past hour, there are uh, hints of the sun starting to poke through and little patches of blue we're definitely getting the game in there's no question uh... so
6: I'm forgetting what the, what the what the sun what the sun looked like I mean it's it's red'm so looking out the window right here and uh it's raining in it's raining in new york, so uh you know it's, uh, but yeah, i i'm I'm sure well uh, yeah i mean i i I'm, I'm glad that the weather is good up there, i think uh no matter how much rain there is tonight, I'm sure that the Yankees and Mets will find a way to get that game in tonight, game one of the subway series down here so um so yeah it's uh Weather is always a factor, but uh, less so for you tonight, uh, thankfully, and I'm glad to hear that.
3: Well, it is interleague play weekend, and it's hard to believe, but this is the 15th year of interleague play. It just feels like it was a revolutionary idea just yesterday, and clearly we're talking about, you know, the two marquee series of the weekend. I mean, you know, when the Sox beat the Cub, last played the clubs in Fenway Park, It was the 1918 World Series, and anybody who follows baseball knows that that's the year that the Red Sox began their curse of the Bambino. They won the World Series that year, beating the Cubs, and then had an 86-year drought for winning the World Series. But, you know, as for the Cubs... uh, their hundred plus year drought continues. Uh they last won it in nineteen oh eight, so what are they at hundred and three years now and Yeah, they they, you know,
6: they I think they have they have the market cornered on uh on longest drought in uh championship history. You know, whether you want to call it the Billy Goat Curse or the Bartman curse or or, or and and uh, speaking of which I'm looking forward to seeing that uh that documentary on uh, on ESPN when that when that comes on. Um, heard good things about it. But uh yeah, Steve Barton is a guy you don't want to be. I'm, I wonder if he's had to move out
3: of Chicago. I have no idea. Well, he moved Except out. I know this for a fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He moved out of Chicago very soon after the incident in 2003, uh, the foul ball, of course. And uh, I believe, I'm 99% sure, that he got like a condo on the, in, somewhere in Florida. I believe it was like the Tampa area, the West Coast. And that's kind of the last I ever heard from him, and this was maybe within the year after it occurred. But, uh, you know, and it's, it's just so interesting eight years later to watch, you know, to watch the Cubs fans because we have that kindred, you know, that kinship with them. And now, you know, two World Series later, you know, Red Sox fans are, you know, somewhat fat and happy, to to say the least. Uh, a, lot more than
6: they, a lot more than they were a few years ago, that's for sure.
3: Exactly right, and now the Cubs have become, and, and this is what sets them, I mean, they stand alone now, but they've become kind of lovable losers, you know, and it's that Midwestern thing going a little bit where they're, frankly, just so nice out there that, you know, they, they're not expecting victory. I mean, Boston fans were always edgy. Uh, Cubs fans are not edgy, mm-hmm. and... uh so yeah uh but you know look i gotta tell you i mean it's a good thing they're not because uh, i checked out the cubs box score the last couple days in advance of going in tonight and uh you know let's just say i didn't recognize too many names in the lineup card and uh that's not a good thing so i'm guessing uh the curse is not going to end this year
6: yeah i I, i'd I'd probably take you up on that one and uh yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because Chicago is such a great baseball town. Wrigley Field, if you I don't know if you've been to Wrigley Field, but it's it's yes. it's it's an amazing place. And you know, I I love I love Fenway Park. I love the old ballparks. But I have to say, my my experience in Wrigley Field is, uh it was amazing because you're you're if you know you think you're on the field in Fenway, it actually feels like you're closer at Wrigley. At least I felt that way. And you know, it's just. Uh, it's, you know, both, both, both of those stadiums, they're, they're just such, such institutions and it's just, it's great that, you know, both are still, uh, alive and well and, uh, you know, just still standing and still, uh, housing great, uh, great teams and great memories and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, you know, it does seem a long time since, since the Cubs had a good team and, uh, you know, uh, there were, maybe there is a curse, I, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't I don't think that curse is going to end this year either.
3: Yeah, and it's yeah, and I did have a good fortune to go into Wrigley Field in the mid 90s and it was great because I didn't plan it in advance, but I landed uh and there was a night game that night against the my hometown Pittsburgh Pirates uh and so I went to a night game which was great cuz it was pretty new then that they had installed the lights at Wrigley and then uh, went to a morning meeting, had an evening flight out to San Francisco. So the very next day, I went to my second game at Wrigley, which was a day game, which obviously you want to see a day game at Wrigley and it was against the the Pirates, obviously. and Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I got to see two games at Wrigley in the span of uh, 24 hours.
6: And you got to see them against your team, which is even better. Right.
3: Against my team, exactly. Uh, Was
6: that the uh, the, the Bonilla Van Slyke Bonds Pirates?
3: Unfortunately, no. You know, I saw them play down in Three Rivers. Uh, I like to call them the greatest team never to reach a World Series. But uh, mm. but no, this is a few years after that, and they were in the beginning of what would what has now become uh, eighteen straight years of losing seasons, which is a record in North American sports. Which is mm. for any pirate fan, very. Very sad, and uh, earlier in the segment, I was talking to David Shapiro, whose father, of course, used to represent a lot of the players for the Orioles, and I was thinking about those great Orioles Pirates World Series of the 70s, both 71 and 79, that I attended, and uh, sad, sad. But anyway, um, yeah, so it's pretty amazing. I mean, tonight is almost like as much... You know, like, it's almost like the two ballparks are facing each other, if you know what I'm saying. It's like the two best ballparks in America, Wrigley and Fenway, you know, their representatives, their teams, so to speak, are squaring off at Fenway and the Red Sox were at Wrigley in 05. So uh, it's going to be great. And it's going to be great down at uh, that down in New York as well for the uh, Yankees and the Mets and. You know, I unfortunately we're down to our last minute here and uh, we didn't get to our usual NBA and NHL, suffice it to say, they're moving along and uh it's gonna be another great weekend of sports watching and this time you can throw baseball into the NHL and NBA mix.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, certainly in New York it's uh you know, if it's you know, with, with no basketball, no hockey in New York. unlike in Boston, you got the you know everybody's excited about the Bruins, uh, there's nothing going on uh like that here but uh you know we got the Yankees and the Mets this weekend and you know the, the Mets are starting to feel you know, feel a little little better about themselves and you know the Yankees uh finally got themselves right after a six game losing streak last night so i don't know the cynical Mets fan in me thinks that uh you know this that this is a uh, a perfect perfect storm uh for the Mets to get smoked this weekend i really, I really hope i'm wrong but uh I, i'm kind of feeling that the Yankees are are getting better just to, you know the Mets will be uh the medicine that makes them better. I, 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 I again, I, I hope I'm wrong about that. I'd love to see the Mets be competitive this weekend. You know, maybe take a game or two, but uh, something tells me that that's not going to happen. So we'll we'll see how it plays out, and we'll see if uh, the raindrops hold up. And they'll de- they'll definitely play. It might take five hours, but they'll play tonight. So, uh, <laughs> and I'll I'll be I'll be in the office for every minute of it. So uh, so we're looking forward to that.
3: Well, sure to be interesting. And Barry, thanks again for joining me and.